One of the more underrated names in the Packers' 2022 NFL Draft is South Carolina pass rusher Kingsley Enigbari. What are the Packers getting from him here from someone who got to know him and his family, plus covered a pair of Georgia Bulldogs as well? You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Touchdown! You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for the leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, our friend Kelly Price, she used to be a Green Bay TV news reporter. Now she's at Fox 5 in Atlanta, so she covers the Georgia Bulldogs. She happens to cover the Atlanta Falcons. There may be some Julio Jones conversations in there. But we start our chat with Kingsley Enigbare, or is it JJ Enigbare? And in fact... Kelly gives us some insight on just what the situation is there, why that is a thing that we're talking about, because there is a story behind the nickname. So we will get to that conversation in just a second. Thanks for everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Before we get to Kelly, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Blue Nile. At BlueNile.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of their dreams to gifting a classic and timeless piece of jewelry, all at prices you won't find at traditional jewelers. You have wedding jewelry, but there's also fine jewelry, just something to sparkle because you want a little sparkle. doesn't even have to have a lot of bling. It could be subtle. It could be classic. It could be in your face, whatever you want, Blue Nile has a huge selection of gemstones. And right now, to make that moment sparkle a little bit more, go to BlueNile.com. Locked on Packers listeners are going to get $50 off a purchase of 500 or more. That is real money. And I know I would like to have paid 50 fewer dollars on any of the things that I bought my wife, bought my mom. So why not go take advantage of that terrific offer and make your moments sparkle a little brighter. This podcast exclusive offer includes engagement rings. When you use the promo code locked on, that's code locked on. Plus every order is insured, ships free and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Joining me now, the former Packers beat reporter, someone who was on TV in Green Bay. Some of you may recognize her face for those of you watching on YouTube now, Fox 5. In Atlanta, Kelly Price. Kelly, it is great to be with you. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Absolutely. I haven't talked about the Packers in a good two and a half, three years. This fun. <laughs> we had Bailey Burmaster on after she left. We're gonna have Rachel oh. Hotmayer on after she left. So oh, this is it is great to to bring the band back together and and have another uh former gator on because we have a weekly segment with Lily Zhao. And oh, so you up. were like you oh, were like God. the gator gang. 
Um, <laughs> and so now, now we just we're, we just have Lily, and you are off doing your thing down in Atlanta, which is one of the reasons why you're here because the Packers took not one but two Georgia Bulldogs, not just Georgia Bulldogs, Georgia defensive players. Um, but I actually want to start because you have kind of a special relationship with. Um, Kingsley Anigbare and his family, uh, day three pick from the Packers, edge rusher, someone who uh, really uh, matured and grew a lot at South Carolina. And so let's let's dig into him a little bit. You were able to talk to him and his family. Um, I, I want to start here. Uh, I don't even know if he's going to go by Kingsley. What JJ Anigbare? What are we? What is the deal with the name? Yeah, so that actually comes from his mom, Sherlanda, told me that when he was little, they used to watch the show JJ the Jet Plane, which I wasn't familiar with, but I don't know if like any of y'all are interested in that show. But I, I don't know that aware, one. But apparently they called him that growing up because he had so much energy all the time. He was just like moving around and he had so much energy, just like this character did in the show. So, um, and she was quick to point out, everyone says JJ, like the letter JJ, it's actually J-A-Y-J-A-Y, because that's how the character spells it. And actually, uh, I don't know if he posted this or his mom posted this, I can't remember, his draft day cake was like the jet plane character person, <laughs> and it said like JJ and everything. So he is uh, fully going into that nickname, his family calls him that. Um, he didn't seem to go by it too much in college, but when I talked to him, he said, you know, either one he'll respond to. What was your impressions talking to him about the kind of person, um, and, and personality that the Packers are getting? Yeah, he, you mentioned that he had time to kind of mature at South Carolina. Um, he had the chance to, you know, maybe transfer, um, after the, this past season or before this past season, um, you know, with COVID and the transfer portal and how hot that's been. Well, Muschamp got fired, who was the person who recruited him at South Carolina and someone who he, you know, that's kind of why he went to South Carolina. Um, so he had a chance to maybe hit the transfer portal, maybe make more of a name for himself at a different school. Um, and he didn't do that. He stayed at South Carolina. He wanted to work on his leadership and, like you said, kind of just growing and becoming his own man. Um, and he feels like he did that on a team that, you know, they didn't win the SEC championship or anything like that, but he felt like they really accomplished a lot as a team and did more than what, you know, everyone outside of the program thought they were capable of doing. So um, he also graduated from South Carolina in three years because this is a guy who took huh. dual enrollment classes in high school. He's super smart. Um, I think I've read that some of the coaches in Green Bay have even called him cerebral. He's a really smart guy, really well-spoken. Um, so obviously that's also something he brings with his personality. So I'm interested, I'm always interested about this because it does seem like sometimes you have these players who play with such violence on the field and you talk to them off the field and they're very thoughtful. They're, they're just like, Miles Garrett is like this. He <laughs> is such an interesting guy to hear speak, but on the field, he is a maniac. And it seems like that's the kind of player Anigbari is because he is big, he's powerful, he's got these long arms he's like an ent from lord of the rings and yet off the field he seems like this very engaging person which you just if you just watched him play football you'd go that guy's a maniac yeah that's an interesting comparison to miles garrett they kind of do have a similar uh kind of like chill personality off the field and like you said they really turn it on when they're inside the lines um but yeah i mean he's he's a really thoughtful guy like i said really smart um, just a really engaging personality. Um, his family is really great too. You can tell he was really raised by a nice village of people. 
Um, and yeah, like you said, <laughs> something about these guys, they just turn it on when they go on the field. As, as the, uh, the, the son of a toddler, uh, it does take a village, uh, to, to make this all happen. So it's good to know that he has a good village that helped his family for his parents' sake, if, if nothing else. Um, so when, when we finally get to see him on the field for Green Bay, whether it's exhibition games, hopefully he's able to play in exhibition games, but even just training camp and some of the practices that are open to fans. What, what do you think the kind of the kind of player that this team is getting? Is it someone that you think can contribute early on to this team's pass rush? Yeah, I mean, he projects as a hybrid, versatile kind of guy. Um, I think he still has some work to do to be polished at that next level. You know, maybe playing at South Carolina didn't give him all the coaching, you know, and the technique that maybe he needs to to be that, you know, starter at the next level right away. But I think he'll he'll get there eventually. He has the mindset. He has the tools. And like you said, he has the athleticism and kind of the raw ability to do so. Um, I mean, I think it was kind of a steal being that final pick in the fifth round. Um, mm. He projected to be a day two, kind of late day two pick um i was surprised to see him fall as much as he did but you know he didn't test that great at the combine um you know didn't have the explosive numbers maybe on paper that you want to see from someone who is a day two pick so it'll be interesting to see how the coaching staff up there in green bay can kind of bring him along and um, maybe he makes an impact on special teams as well um it'll be interesting to see how they are able to develop him more as a pass rusher with the technique side of it so this can go one of two ways in these kinds of situations. It can, for some guys, puncture their confidence, right? These are guys that are used to just being the best forever. And especially you go to a school in the SEC, you expect, okay, I'm, I'm a day two pick. I'm going to go on day two. They go on day three. And for some of these guys, it can puncture their ego. From what you're telling me, it sounds like he's the kind of guy, the guy who stayed at South Carolina, not exactly a blue blood program, even if it's an SEC program, to say, we have unfinished business. I have unfinished business. He seems to me, from what you're saying, to be the kind of guy that this is going to motivate him. This is going to be a chip on his shoulder that he's going to use to get better and to prove some people wrong. Absolutely. And I'll tell you another story about him. Um, people who aren't from the Atlanta era and might not be familiar with these high schools, but he started his high school career at Peachtree Ridge, which is like a big program down here in Atlanta. Great facilities, you know, great athletes, all that kind of thing. And he actually transferred to Hateville Charter, which is like this tiny little private school uh, during his high school career. He moved in with his godfather um, and his, his mom felt like he needed a strong male influence in his life to kind of help him become, you know, the guy that he wanted to become. And so he moved in with his step or his uh, godfather and transferred to this tiny little school school that he coached at. And, you know, <laughs> I actually went out to their field to see there's literally like divots in the ground. It's like, it's just like a backyard, like mm. grass. I mean, there's not even a field at all, barely. There's divots in the ground. He said he had to memorize like where the holes were. So he didn't like <laughs> break his ankle oh, no. <laughs> and so you know that is where he really learned how to be you know this this gritty side of football right so he went through that process he went from this place that had these nice facilities great coaching and went to this kind of podunk little situation still was recruited by south carolina to go there um i think he was like maybe a two or three star recruit coming out of uh high school i'm i'm not sure on that but um Here's a guy who was, you know, doing 430 workouts at 
16, 17, 18 years old, he was already going through these steps to become greater at that young age. Um, so I think he's always kind of held a little bit of a chip on his shoulder in that aspect. Like he came from, you know, not same thing as South Carolina, not like a blue blood situation. And, um, you know, hopefully he brings that to the next level and is able to, to kind of make it to that next level. All right, more with Kelly in just a second. Before we get there, let's talk about our friends at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend... 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. I want to also ask you about some of these Georgia players because you have you have had at least from a proximity standpoint a chance to see these guys um, play. Um, unfortunately, because of COVID, you've not has had as many opportunities to actually talk to them in person. Thank goodness, um, locker rooms are opening back up. We've now are seeing reporters in the locker room. Eric Stokes, um, who you also got a chance to to see at Georgia. <laughs> He was interviewing Russell Douglas the other day from the locker room. He was in the back of the media scrum asking questions um, in, a, in a really fun kind of way. It seems like this group, um, just of all the Georgia guys, they vibed really well. There was a chemistry there. And Devontae Wyatt seems like he was one of those guys, big personality, that he can fill up a room. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember at the Combine, some reporter asked him, you know, what should we write about you? Well, how would you describe yourself? He, and someone out there has to go find this clip because it was so funny. His answer, like the way he delivered it, he was just like, well, you know, I'm the coolest. Like, I'm the best. I would tell everyone that they should draft me because I'm awesome. And it was just the way he said it was like, just really funny. Um, but he is a ham. I mean, he is he is going to be one of those personalities on the Packers for years to come that people just laugh at his reactions and kind of things that he says. Um, he's just a funny guy. Uh, he's kind of a goofball, but um, he definitely fills up a room physically and with his personality. Yeah, that's a big boy too, and he can move. And that's the other thing is he he is effervescent on the field, right? He plays with that verb, that energy. And I, like, I don't, I don't know how you separate his impact from the guys around him. I, I just, it's one of those difficult things. And I think the same is true of Quay Walker. It's like, okay, he's playing next to Nicobe Dean. He's playing, you know, in front of Lewis scene. He's playing, you know, two years ago, he's playing next to Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell and, and, um, and, you know, behind Devonte Wyatt. I don't know how you separate that impact, but do you think there is some sort of fringe benefit to these guys coming together with that familiarity that they would have from playing together? Yeah, it was interesting to see how all the Georgia guys did, did end up flying off the board so early because there was this kind of sense in the scouting community like once you break these guys apart, what do they look like? Are they right. going to be effective? Is it, you know, just more of a they're stronger together kind of situation as you were referring to? 
But Devontae Wyatt, here's a guy, he is he led all defensive linemen in at Georgia with uh, 39 tackles this year. So, I mean, that stat alone tells you that he's got that relentless effort. He's got that motor. Sure, he's maybe switching off with other guys, um, and it's always hard to play next to Jordan Davis and not be mm-hmm. – <laughs> <laughs> not be the guy but um you know he also had the third fastest 40 ever by a defensive tackle so again if he wasn't running next to Jordan Davis he would be the craziest freak on the field um but you know he also has a tremendous amount of explosiveness and that personality that you see that's so fiery off the field I think he brings that on the field as well it is it is funny how how Often that happens, and yet funny how often it, we see the opposite, just like with Enigbari, yeah. where where the, the personality does not mirror the on the field. And, and in this case, in, in a really good way, um, we we I think there's going to be a similarity here. You you were in Green Bay when Kenny Clark was, was really making his rise. He's become, I think, a fully-fledged um, elite-level player. How do you see those guys complementing each other? I think it's actually a great compliment. I was actually thinking about it before I came on here because, um, you know, it's been a while since I've covered Green Bay, so I had to kind of brush up on where things are at up there. But I think it's going to take the pressure off him a little bit because it's we have a similar situation here in Atlanta with the Falcons uh, with Grady Jarrett. I mean, right. he is the only guy on their defense <laughs> for a lot of reasons. But, um, you know, that's a guy that you, you have to take the pressure off. Same with Kenny Clark. Um, you know, he can't do everything. And obviously Green Bay's defense is much better than Atlanta's down here. But um, I think that Devontae White will be a great compliment to him. I mean, he's a really developed pass rusher. He has great technique in kind of an opposite way of how we were talking about Kingsley. He is 24 years old. He is already mature and he's already, you know, got this repertoire of, of pass rush moves. He has great right. hands. Um, so I think that he's going to be more developed on that next level stage that, um, you know, and that's why he got picked as high as he did. I'm, I'm also curious because you have been in Atlanta long enough that you were there when Devondre Campbell was there. Um, yeah. and, and to see what he has become this year, and I'm going to tie this into Quay Walker in a second, yeah. but I want to ask you first, when he was in Atlanta, I mean, was there any kind of inkling that he had this sort of upside and ability? It is so wild from the Atlanta perspective to see what he's done in Green Bay. I was here for his last season uh, in Atlanta. And, I mean, he made no impact, you know, on on this team. And it's just so funny to see when you take a person and put them in a different situation, different people around them, different coaching, different culture, you know, all those things. If you you just literally take this guy, put him in Green Bay, and he's an all-pro. I mean, people in Atlanta are (laughs) – like mind blown that this happened um it's it's wild to think about but it's very cool for him to see that he kind of had this resurgence of his career and seems to really be happy playing the game not to say that he wasn't here but he just he seems like a totally different person when i watch him in interviews and on the field obviously so now that we've we've set the stage with Devondre Campbell, there have been some comparisons between yes. Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell with the height, the length, the athletic ability to get sideline to sideline to potentially play multiple positions, which, by the way, Devondre Campbell said that was the problem with him in Atlanta is he never got to play just one spot. It was, yeah. okay, you're going to play some Will, yeah. you're going to play some Sam, you're going to play some Mike. And he told Matt LaFleur, I'm the Mike. Let me come and play the Mike linebacker spot, and I promise you, you, you will be happy with it. Guess what? Probably pretty happy with it. Uh, but do you see some of the on-field similarities with Quay and Devondre? 
Yeah, I mean, some of his kind of comps, you know, you look at scouting reports and stuff, are basically a more athletic Devondre Campbell, which is really interesting to see. Um, I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see having them next to each other, what that's maybe going to look like, um, how they maybe deploy both of those guys. But also you think about Quay Walker next to N'Kobe Dean, who a lot of people thought was going to be the first linebacker off the board in this draft. It was interesting to see how, you know, that – didn't end up happening and Quay was off the board first um, because, you know, you look at on paper, Nicobe Dean had more of the stats, maybe more of the leadership and, you know, those kinds of things, but yep. Quay has more of the measurables, right? And maybe more of the potential that you want in a first round pick. Um, so it was interesting to see how that kind of shook out. Um, but yeah, I mean, this guy's got four or five speed. He's super versatile. I mean, he he's not a liability in coverage. He's maybe not the impact player as far as like maybe getting an interception that you maybe want his ball skills might be a little questionable, but I think he had two forced fumbles um, this past year. So, I mean, the ability is there um, if he can maybe work on being more of like an impact play player, but you can still, I mean, he has the ability to blitz if you want him to, he's great in run support. Um, yeah. Super versatile. I, I, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you this question, because I know a lot of Packer fans want to know. Do you think Julio Jones has anything left and should the Packers sign him? <laughs> oh, man, I might get in some trouble down here. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he is just injured so much. Yeah. I, I have to look at the stats. I do not remember how many games he played last year. It was like two, maybe three. I don't know. It was definitely like less than one hand we're counting on um, as far as Julio Jones. I know that... Um, you know, there's a certain part of the Falcons fan base that was super salty about him leaving. Um, I think there's also a portion of this fan base that realized, you know, the way he left was kind of not on the best terms. Um, so it was interesting to see his lack of impact in Tennessee. Um, I don't know how much he has left in the tank. I feel like it's not very much. Um, I mean, given what we saw last year, I think he had... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he had like maybe one touchdown all of last year. Maybe that, that's been a, that's <laughs> been like a recurring issue for him though. Even when he was awesome, yeah, like in 2013, true. he had two touchdowns. That's so fair. this is this is funny, and I'm I'm this is not like gotcha. He played 10 games last year. You're absolutely right. Oh there's no God. way. There's yeah, no way I would have guessed he played 10 games. <laughs> I thought he. Oh I thought I was with you. I thought he was like yeah. He played five or six games last year. That seems right. Yeah. To me. Because he was such a non-factor. It was the lowest amount of targets he had in his career. He had 48 oh, targets in 10 yeah. games. So it was, he did not, wow. he did not make an impact on this, that Titans team. So I do not begrudge you for, for not knowing that he played as many games as he did. Cause I didn't know he played as yeah. many games as he did. He just, he just was like injured every week. I just remember always, like, he was always questionable, like almost every week. I think that's why I oh, thought. He, as like, a, as a multi-time Julio Jones fantasy owner, I am very aware <laughs> that you were always checking on Friday. Did he practice? Cause he was always questionable and it was always, you had to check on Friday. Did he practice? <laughs> What's the situation? And even Sunday morning, you were like, okay, is he going to be active? Is he not going to yeah, be is active? He is, he, is he just going to be a decoy? Yes. So yeah. I'm I'm with you. I have I have come to the conclusion that it is a no on Julio for me. That is just, I have come to that conclusion eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will be interested to see what the Packers do with Christian Watson. I really liked him for the Falcons. Um, mm. as the same position that they kind of got him in later. Uh, not as a first rounder or anything like that, but um, I'm interested to see what they do with him. I think he's going to be really good on on that Green Bay offense, and um, obviously the Falcons got Drake London, but um, you know, should be interesting to see how they Drake have. London, Drake London was a guy that I really wanted in Green Bay, but it became very clear very early 
<laughs> that he was not going to make it uh, to anywhere close to Green Bay, which he turns yeah. out he did not. Uh, Kelly, this was awesome. Thank you so much for doing it and providing insight on so many of the players uh, that the Packers were able to draft. And and I hope you enjoyed getting back in the groove and talking some Packers football. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love the people up there in Green Bay and, you know, hope everyone's doing well up there. All right. Thanks to Kelly for joining the show. Always great to talk to her back talking Packers for her a little bit of blast from the past. Go check out the stuff that she does. I still have her in my Packers Twitter list because it's it's first of all, nice to see people who used to cover the Packers out there thriving. She is one of them. I mentioned our friend Bailey Burmaster, who's been on the show talking Brown. She's in Cleveland now. So we want, I, I like to support these these folks, especially the ones who come on the show and we get to know a little bit as they go on and, and go on to bigger cities, bigger markets, and hopefully more success in their careers. I'd like to continue to support them if we can. Thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen. Now go make your second listen, Locked On NFL. Our national NFL experts and insiders have fans dialed in on the biggest stories and the latest news from around the league because an offseason doesn't equal a break in the action. Follow Locked On NFL every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. All right, a Summer Friday conversation coming tomorrow Going to have some fun on that one. Um, and go subscribe to The Leap. Please do that. I had a piece today about uh, the offensive line. We talked a little bit about it uh, this week on the show and, and and how deep this group is. Go please check out what's going on at The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime. You want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775. Stay Locked On Packers.